Father, we just uh, come together today just um, praising you for who you are, Father. No matter what the circumstances are um, around us, we know that you are God, you are sovereign, and we worship you for that, Father. And Father, uh, we just ask that you would just receive this time, Father, as just a sweet fragrance, Lord, and Father, that we would have our eyes focused and fixed upon you and you alone, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
It's who I am. It's who. 
thank you so much that you are a daddy to us. Yes. So much of our, our time as believers, uh, we can get lost in thinking that you are just a book that we read. You're, you're a goal that we're trying to reach. You're a place that we go to once a week. You're a lifestyle. You're some sort of worldview. But God, we can't, can't lean on a worldview. We can't cry to a book. You're, you're a father. You're a good, good father. And you're not loving us because we're good. We're, you're loving us because you're good. God, the more we sing and the more we pray, just remind us this, this is a conversation with a person that loves us, that knows everything about us and loves us. You deserve every breath that comes out of us. Every word, every note we could ever sing is yours. Thank you, God, that you're the one. In Jesus' name, amen. Give life singer. You give life. 
We don't have to come to God like somebody else. We come to Him like we are. And a lot of times that means that I start my prayer time with, God, just show me my heart. Show me where I am. God, show me truth about myself so I know how to follow you. Sing this prayer with us. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Sing that again. Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Can you pray that to him? Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak truth, Lord.
God, we love you. And we thank you for your amazing, amazing, amazing patience with us. I can't imagine what it's like to watch us down here chasing our tails, scratching all our itches, thinking that we found answers. We're digging holes in the ground, calling them wells, and just starving little people. God, if we would ever open up our heart to you, trust you, you do something only you can do. Can we sing that chorus one more time? Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. Father, your word declares that your love endures forever. We thank you, Father, that we no longer have to be a slave to sin. But, Father, you call us to be slaves to righteousness. We thank you, Father, that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I pray today, God, that we would be attentive to your word. I pray, O oh God, that we would be doers of your word. I pray, God, that we would have a desire to know you more, to grow and to mature, to become more Christ-like, to serve and to love others, to get beyond ourselves, Lord, and to fully comprehend that it is about your kingdom and your glory. So, Father, I pray, God, that deaf ears would be open, blind eyes would see, that your truth would impact us, Lord, and bring us to our knees. That we would humble ourselves, that we would seek you, Father. The promise of your word is that if we seek you, we will find you, if we seek you, with our whole heart. Bless our time, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm 34, verse 14. The scripture we're going to, every time we read together, we're going to talk about it. Turn from evil and do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. Turn from evil and do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. In and of ourselves, we can't accomplish this. It's only a life through Christ, a life that is submitted to God, filled with His Holy Spirit, 
that we can walk in obedience. That we won't go after the things that are evil. Because we've already recognized that they don't fulfill us. So I want you to think about your week. Think about your morning. Have you sought for things that are evil to fulfill you? And I know, maybe we have a, a thought that evil is so far to the extreme, but evil is just a bad attitude. Abusive words, gossiping, tearing down. Evil is of the flesh. But to turn from evil and do good is a choice. Because of Christ, we can make. Father, I want to do good. I want to love more. I want to serve more. My life is no longer my own. It's birthed out of this love that you have for him. And as we're, the world will be celebrating Valentine's Day in a few days, Christians, every day should be Valentine's Day. For Christians, we should be the expression of love to the world, to each other. Remember what the Word of God says. How will they know that we belong to Him? It's only by our love for one another. It's not about anything else. About our love for one another. And that love for one another cannot be birthed unless we have the love for Him. And that we received His great love. No greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friend, and that's what Jesus did. And so today we're going to talk about love. What prompts us to do right? It should be love. What will prompt you to turn from evil? To stop being so self-centered? Love. Love. Only love can do that. Only love can prompt a wicked sinner to turn from doing wrong. Listen, we all, apart from Christ, before we come to Christ, we're living out of the flesh, we're living out of self, but we're seeking, we all are desiring to be accepted, to be loved. And so we seek the very things that destroy us to love us. And yet all along, God gave up his son because of his love for us so that we would be loved and we wouldn't seek the things of this world, the temporalness of this life, to find our identity. Boy, I tell you, when you can wake up and know that you know that you know that you are a child of God, that he has empowered you to live a godly life, to do what's right? Man, there's no greater life. No matter your circumstances, no matter your position, no matter what, none of that matters. That shouldn't identify you because your identity is in Christ. And so you can walk through this life assured of his love for you, no matter what is going on, 
So you can turn from evil and you can do good. You can seek after peace and work hard to maintain it. Don't give up your peace so easily because someone else doesn't have a peace. Just because someone else tries to provoke you. Don't give up your peace because your circumstances start crumbling. Don't give up your peace because your mind is, is, is overwhelmed or anxious. Don't give up your peace. Holdness. Like nothing missing, nothing broken. Like you're whole in Christ. But I don't feel whole. But you are whole. You have to learn how to walk in it now. You have to learn what love looks like now. Not by the definition of the world, but by the very de definition of love. God is love, the Bible says. So the more you know him, the more you desire him, the more that he brings you even deeper and closer to him, the more you can't help but be an expression of his love to others. Listen, remember, he loved you first. He's drawing you to himself. He loves you with an everlasting love. But he's not going to force you to love him back. Remember the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body, with all of your strength. With every part of your being, love God. That's how we ought to be living. But do we see that in the church today? Do we see that in Christians today? Are you loving him? Are you loving him? Are you loving? Are you receiving his love, his grace, and his mercy? Even in your failures, he loves you to pick you up out of it and to press you on. Not so that you can stay enslaved to your failures, enslaved to, to your addictions, enslaved to sin. No, he frees you. Do you know freedom today? Are you free? Are you still enslaved to the old man before Christ? Are you still that old woman before Christ? Are you still broken? Do all, is all you see inside yourself is brokenness? You ought not to. Get up from that place and move forward. Move forward. It's the issue of the heart, you all. It's the issue of the heart. That's why David can say, search me, O God. Test me. See if there's any wickedness within me. Search us, God. When's the last time you asked God, God, search me. I want to do right. I want to do right. And Jesus gives an incredible teaching about the heart. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 13. The scripture we talked about before. But I want to get it before us yet again. Matthew 13 verse 1 through 23 it says later that same day Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake a large crowd soon gathered around him so he got into a boat then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one this is Jesus' words this is his teaching. Listen, a, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. 
As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus is telling the story of this farmer who goes out planting seeds. And he gives us this picture of the different soils that the seeds fell on and what happened to what was trying to come out that was being birthed because the seeds were planted. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. And I want you to focus in on what Jesus just said in verse 12. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. If you're not listening, you're not growing, and you're ignorant to the things of God. And all you will do is keep living this life of, of, of a form of religion. Never going anywhere. Always showing up, but not available. But those who show up, those who listen, those who hear and begin to do, more knowledge will be given to them on how to live, on how to love. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use parables. For they look, but they really don't see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Because of our condition. Because we show up, and yet we're not listening. We're not growing. We only go so far. And then we shrink back. He goes on. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. But they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear but they didn't hear it. 
He tells his disciples, his students. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a student. Disciple wants more than just to show up for church. Disciple wants to learn, wants to live, wants to embrace the fullness of who he is, the great teacher. Teach me, God. Now he says to his disciples, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. So now he's going to give them the understanding. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Do you know how many people sit in church every Sunday? Anytime that the doors are open, do you know how many people sit and they hear preaching? If you're not getting it, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Like if I said to you today, how many of you really woke up this morning and was excited about coming to church, having desired to learn more of God, like, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to live for you. I want to turn for you. I want to do good, God. Not for anything else, but just to honor you with my life for what you've done for me. Such great salvation, such great love. Like, God, I long to know you more. Or did you just show up? Because listen, You can show up as much as you want. But if your heart is not towards him, listen to the first group of people and the heart issue that he's talking about here. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted into their hearts. The evil one. Remember the enemy. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus comes to give you life and life in abundance. So when you just show up and you desire no understanding, the enemy is going to snatch it from your heart. And you're just going to remain just as miserable as you've always been. But I go to church. But yet then people look at your lives and see nothing different. You don't love God. What's different about you? So that's what I'm telling you all. We can't just play games. Like, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about a relationship with the eternal God. That he desires to have this with us. There's no other relationship that can compare to it. Nothing, nothing can compare to the love of God. And loving him with our whole hearts because he gave himself for us. And so then he goes on. The seed... On the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. So we see the second group of people who sit in church. There are people who hear the word of God and they receive the word of God and it sounds good to them. 
and he can fill them with a little bit of joy for a moment. But as soon, look what it says here. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. How many people, or maybe it's you, but how many people show up for church, they hear the word of God, they get excited for a moment, and then they walk away and life hits them hard and they forget God. They blame God. They're angry at God. They don't want to go back to church. They want to just keep doing whatever they want to do. Wow, how sad. Listen, I encouraged y'all before. You, it's just not a one-time little prayer. It's just not just showing up for church and, and getting excited. No, it has to be a lifestyle. You have to be discipled. Your roots have to grow down deep. If your life is not changing, it's not God, it's you. You have no desire to grow. He gives you that desire. He wakes us up each day, presenting himself to us, drawing him to himself, to us to himself. But are we hungering for him? Are you hungering for God? Just don't receive the word and let it just be just a moment of time. No, it needs to go down deep, you all. The seed that fell along the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. We hear the word of God, but we got too much going on in life. Life is hard. Too much. Too much is happening. And so nothing comes from it. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much that has been planted. Oh, that our hearts would be like these people, like this soil. Soil that is not, this, not only just receiving it, but soil that is producing something in our lives. Like you once were this way, but now you're living this way. You once acted this way, but now you're going this way. You once touched that, but you're not touching it anymore. No, there's a change. There's a transformation. Something is taking place within you, and it has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with him. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty and the truth of a relationship with God, the living God. Like, do we truly desire it? Go to John chapter 4, verse 1. And this is a testimony I've talked about a lot, but I want to get it back before us because this is such a powerful testimony. Of a woman who was broken. A woman who, who was never loved. A woman who had many husbands. A woman who just gave herself to men. And hopes to find some type of security. A woman who the town neglected. A woman in the town who, called, who talked bad about her. A woman who had no worth. Each day waking up broken. Each day waking up knowing what other people thought about her. Her life was shattered. 
Jesus knew. Let me see where I want to go first. Let's go to verse 7, chapter 4. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Seeing the custom that day, Jesus shouldn't even have been alone with that woman or even talking with that woman. Jews were very prejudiced. They looked down on the Samaritans. But yet Jesus was sitting at that well for a reason. He knew she was on her way. The same with our lives. Maybe the world looks at you and just writes you off. Maybe you don't feel loved. Maybe you do have issues. Maybe you've done wrong and the people judge you. Jesus knew what this woman has done. Jesus knew what this woman was doing. But yet Jesus was willing to meet her right where she was going. And so he has this conversation with her. And she returns and says, why basically are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for a drink? And then Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If you only knew who is speaking to you, if you only knew the one who is drawing you to himself, you then would ask of him. But if you're not asking of him, your eyes are still shut and your ears are still closed. He's telling her, listen, if you knew who was talking to you, man. And then she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where will you get this living water? And besides, you don't think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Do you hear her response? She's talking back to him, just focusing on the temporalness of life. She's still thinking he's talking about water that would sustain her. And we do the same thing. Jesus moves in our lives. He reveals himself to us. We have an awakening. We have a desire. But what's the condition of our heart? What soil is your heart that we just read about? She begins to relate to Jesus and speak back to Jesus, and she's trying to keep Jesus at a temporal level. And we do the same thing. But listen to what he says here. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Talking about the temporal water. Talking about the water that she's going to pull up out of that well. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. That's what he's saying to us, you all. 
He knows our lives. He knows our brokenness. He knows what has happened to us. He knows the sin that so easily entangles us. But he says to us, stop going that way. Like if you would just drink from me, if you would just get to a place where you desire me, you won't remain thirsty. You won't keep going back. You won't keep doing what you keep doing and you keep doing and you keep doing. No, if you come to me, if you drink of my life, I will satisfy you. Are you satisfied with Jesus? You ought to be. You ought to be. Stop going back. Stop looking back and going back and trying to find yourself in this world that's fading away. Jesus, God himself, eternal life. Drink of him and be satisfied. She goes, please, sir. The woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Again, she's thinking in the temporalness of life. Listen, she was a loose woman. She slept around. She had many men. The town folk labeled her. Other women didn't want to associate with her. I told you before, whenever I've, I've, I've studied or spoke about her, I can only imagine when she, she's going to the well to get water. She must have walked with her head down, knowing what others may be saying about her. She knew within herself that she was doing wrong. She was trapped in a vicious cycle. And she saw no way out. And now she's having a conversation with God himself. With Jesus. And Jesus wants to meet her need. Jesus wants to meet our need. He wants to satisfy us, you all. We got to stop settling for life the way it is. We got to see, we have to have hope. We have to see beyond our circumstances. We have to see beyond anything that's happening in our life. And we have to look unto him. We have to see some him, him greater than our circumstances. We have to see who he is and what he calls us to be. And did you not? So she tells him, "Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I would I won't have to come here." And this is to what Jesus says to her: "Go and get your husband. Go get your husband." He tells her. And then she says, "I don't have a husband." And Jesus replied, "You're right. You don't have a husband. You have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now." You certainly spoke truth. I love the fact that she didn't keep anything from Jesus. I love the fact that she is desperate for some, some relief from her life. Even, even though it's temporal relief, she just wants that relief. 
And so when she's questioned or when she when she's given a direction to go get your husband, she doesn't hide it from Jesus. Okay, I'll go get my husband. No, she tells him, I don't have a husband. And you're right. You don't. You've had five. <laughs> and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim that it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when we will no longer, it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. She turns the conversation towards religion. And he answers her. This life in Christ is a spiritual life, you all. It's a new life. You've been born again. If you've truly given yourself to Christ, you have been born again of the Spirit. And so now you're being led and prompted by the Holy Spirit to do right, to turn from evil, to seek after peace, and work hard to maintain it. Life, you all. And we must worship it in spirit and in truth. It's a lifestyle. It's just not singing to him. Worship is a lifestyle. It's every day. It's every moment. You're worshiping God, the living God. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then look what Jesus said. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Amen. What? That's amazing. Here, this broken woman, her whole life, longing to just to be loved. She has heard of the Messiah. She has heard of Jesus. This one that would come. This one that would, that would make things right. She's heard of him. And now the very one who can make things right is in front of her. And he tells her, I am he. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them asked, or none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar there, I'm sorry, the water jar beside the well, and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? 
So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is important. Remember, the town folk and the women didn't like this woman. The town folk knew all about the woman's business. She was not accepted. She was a loose woman. And they wanted nothing to do with her. She was on her own. But all of a sudden she met Jesus. And she went back to the town. And do you notice the difference in her this time? He's told me everything about me. He's told everything. He knows everything about me. And yet, he still accepts me. He still loves me. Could he really be the Messiah? Could he be the one that we're waiting for? And the town people ran to see who this man could be. Many Samaritans, verse 39, from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but, but, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he's indeed the savior of the world. This broken, woman's, this broken woman, a life that was just shattered by sin, is restored. She is no longer the same. And her life impacted a whole town. And whose lives are you impacting? And I love the fact that these people believe, not because of what she said, but because they heard from him themselves. And their lives were changed. Love you all. <laughs> love the expression of love changes lives not the temporalness of love but true love a relationship with God an expression of a relationship with God in your life changes things hmm. changes things we all, that's why we ought to be lovers of God that's why we ought to love each other. Some of you are going to get up from this place and go right back to your filth. Some of you are going to go get up from this place and go right back to your stress-filled lives. Some of you are going to get up from this place and forget the word that has been spoken, the word that you hear, the word of life. And you're going to go, you're going to go right back to a place that is filled with no love. And how sad, because love himself, Jesus, is revealing himself to you yet again. He's having a conversation with you this morning. But are you listening? Are you at a place like this woman at the well? She had an encounter 
And yet in this encounter, her life is changed forever. And not only her life, but the lives of others. Others need to see the expression of love through your life. How many of you tell people, I love you, but you know depths in the depths of your heart you don't love them? They're just words. They're just words. Because the reality is you cannot love unless you know Christ. You cannot give what you don't have. How can you say, I love you, and then abuse them? How can you say, I love you, and then talk bad about them? How can you say, I love, I love, I love, but you have no expression of love because you don't love yourself? And we want to play games. The aching of your soul is your lack of love. And not the love of others, but the love of God. I told you all before, since a young age, I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted to feel secure. And I did whatever I had to do just to try to feel at peace with it. But no matter how many relationships I was in, no matter what I did, no matter what I, I tried to accomplish, I was still left empty. And the same goes for anyone else who's trying to do it in their flesh. I want you to be very careful the next time you look at someone and tell them, I love you. Because you know what love is? No greater love than this that a man will lay down his life for his friend. Do you mean it? Do you truly care about that person? Would you truly lay down your life? Will you truly serve them? Or have we just created a generation of people who just talk about love but don't even know the first uh, the expression of love? Like there's going to be so many empty Valentines on Wednesday. People just expressing love and really there is no love. But the hope in Christ, you all. See, this is the good news. Because then when we realize, wait a minute, we've been deceived? We've been living out of our flesh? No, we want love. And so when he reveals himself to us, when, we have, when he's having this conversation, when, he, when he's prying up and digging up the, the hardness of our heart, and, and he's trying to show us, you need me. Stop going your way. Come to me. Love me. And I will lavish my love on you. You will be secure. And in that, you will love others with a beautiful expression of love. Jesus, you all. Jesus. The beautiful expression of love. Stop tormenting yourself. Stop going your way. Stop constantly being in these empty relationships that mean nothing. And go on for years. There's been people who are together for years and they don't love each other. But they've tried, they tried everything. They tried to make it and look like it, it, it's working, but in reality, it's not. And they've wasted years. And then they don't know how to get out of it. 
And so we have these miserable people, but the sadness is, the sadness is, is that there's children being brought up in the same environment. So then we have a whole new generation of youth who don't know the expression of love. And you don't think the enemy understands this? You don't think the enemy knows how to destroy your life and your children's life and their children's life? You don't think that he knows how to come in and just wreak havoc? The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give life. And life in abundance. Like, love me with everything you have. With everything you have, receive this love that I freely give to you. In the midst of your rebellion, you are in rebellion towards me, but yet I love you. He doesn't desire for us to remain in rebellion. He wants us, he desires for us to be in a relationship where your life is changed. Listen, I'm telling you all, we don't have time to keep playing games. We don't have time to keep pretending. So what do we do, Rob? Come to Jesus. Remember this woman? When he says to her, woman, go get your husband. She says, oh, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. The man you're living with is not your husband. She didn't get wounded. She didn't get like, oh, who are you? No, she was having a conversation. She's like, like, he's telling me, but he's not offending me. Like, wait a minute, he knows everything about me. And he's still here? Like, wow. There was an acceptance. And he's telling her, woman, if you would just take a drink of me, I will satisfy you. Are you satisfied, you all, in your life? If you're not, then run after him. He's not going to deny you. He's not going to call you names. He's not going to keep you away from him. No, he's going to run towards you. And he's going to embrace you. Because he knows the plans of the enemy. But he's already defeated the enemy. Like when we really grasp this, you all. When we really grasp it, that wait a minute, I can be satisfied. I can be satisfied. I long to be satisfied. It's okay, God. Here's my heart, Lord. It's like that song. Here's my heart, Lord. I know I'm not perfect. I know in and of myself, I would want nothing but to continue to rebel against you. But your great love has pursued me. And I'm responding so here I am, Lord. I want to drink of you. I want to be satisfied. There needs to be some changes in my life. And then allow him to start changing you. The hardest thing you all is to do good. We've talked about that before. It shouldn't be. 
But don't you dare think that your flesh and the enemy in this world is just going to let you walk towards Christ. No, they're going to come charging at you, reminding you of how worthless you are, how broken your life is. And isn't that crazy? We believe those lies, and we stay stuck because we won't accept love. We're believing lies and not accepting love. And we've got to get up and say, no, I know Jesus. I know he loves me. I know he has better things for me. I know that I have to desire him. And not the things of this world. I've got to consider everything crucified to his cross. And pursue after him. And in this life, he will give me what I need. He will sustain me. He will keep me. No matter what's going on. Go to James chapter 1. Verse 19 through 27. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. Did you hear that? Basically, turn from evil and do what's right. Not only in love yourselves, but all in Christ. My God, here I am. Teach me. And so you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Get rid of all the filth that is in your life and humbly accept God's word. Remember that soil that we talked about earlier? It's planted in your heart. But what comes from it, it's all about of your heart, the condition of your heart. It's either going to produce or it's going to get choked out or it's going to get robbed. Nothing's going to come from it. Verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. If you don't see anything coming from your Christian life, then all you are is a hearer. And you're no different than the lost. Because listen to this. Don't just be... I mean, said, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Don't fool yourself. Just because you're hearing God's word, just because you show up for church. Don't fool yourself. If there's nothing coming from your life, you're not a follower of Christ. I don't care what other preachers and what other people want to twist the scriptures and make you believe truth is what it is. There has to be, there has to be fruit from your life. You are a life transformed. Not perfect, 
but transformed. You're moving forward. You don't want to be someone who just looks at themselves and hears the word and then turns and forgets everything about it. No, you want to obey. Verse 25 says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Everyone's running around looking for God to bless them. But God does not bless without obedience. Careful. Obey. Obey. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's a true relationship with God, a life that is filled with compassion, and a life that will not allow the things of this world corrupted. Because we're not, sat- we're not settling and we're not satisfied with the world any longer. We've, had, we have, we've received Christ. We've, we've, we've taken a drink of Him. We are satisfied people. So we're living differently. We're showing compassion. We're not looking like the world. And I love the fact that we are being told here in Scripture, point blank, it's in your face. Look what it says there. If you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. Talk about God all you want. Show up to church, but if you can't control your tongue, your speech, then your religion is worthless. That's serious stuff, you all. A man cannot tame his own tongue, but the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God can tame it. Remember last week, the fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. If you're lacking something in your life, ask for it. From Him. Like, remember, let your roots go down deep. Be discipled. Grow up in Christ. So that your life is an expression of love. That your life is an expression of love. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about the, 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 the very essence of who Christ is. Don't have worthless religion. There's a lot of people who pray. There's a lot of people who show up. There's a lot of people saying that they're Christians, and they're not. They have no expression of love because they never received love. They just hold a form of it. And yet they're fooling themselves. They're fooling themselves. Careful. Are you one of those people? Well, then God have mercy on you. Turn from your wickedness and turn to God. God, I want to be satisfied. God, I know you love me. And in that knowledge, I just don't want it to be a knowledge. I want to love you back. I want my religion to have worth. I want my relationship with you to have worth, to have value. I just don't want to just keep talking and then there's nothing. Because then when I stand before you, 
You're going to tell me you don't know me. Because remember what the Bible says in the last day. I mean, when, you, when you take your last breath, when, when finally people are standing before him, and he's going to say, I don't know you. And they're going to say, well, didn't we do this? And didn't I go to church? And didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? And he's going, I never knew you. Depart from me. Get away from me. You worker of rebellion. You worker of sin. You're going to reap your reward in eternal hell, in eternal separation from me. His desire is that none shall perish. That's why he's here today revealing himself yet again to us. So what are you going to do with what you're hearing? Because if you just go from this place, you get up from this place and go downstairs, you go out, and then you just forgot everything and you live no differently. God help you that you don't drop dead. A life in Christ is a life that is transformed. It's a life, it's an expression of his love. It's a life that is received. It's not a perfect life, but it's a life that I receive it. And in receiving it, I'm going to allow you to work it in me, God. I want to go deeper. I want to get into your word. I want to get into fellowship. I want to be discipled. I want to know you, the very expression of love. I want to be satisfied. I don't want to be the same, just showing up and nothing is coming from it. I don't want to stand before you and go, well, I showed up for church that day. I gave a little bit of money. I I said a little bit of prayer. I even asked the pastor to pray for me. And he says, I don't know you. Like you chose to go your way. You chose not to love me. So you're going to reap what you chose. An eternity apart from me. Come on, you all. That's not what God desires for you. His desire is that you would love him. That you would receive this free gift of salvation. That you and of yourself cannot work for. You can't clean yourself up. You can't do what's right in your own strength. You can't make him love you. He already loves you. But he's not going to tolerate your rebellion. He's not your weird, broken, worldly relationships. No, he's God. He's God. So if you want to know if your, if your relationship with God is really of value, do you have compassion for others? And are you pulling away from the world? You're not going their way. You're not longing to be satisfied like the world is satisfied. You say, no, God. My satisfaction, my wholeness comes from you. Listen, I was a broken man. You all, I'm just not saying this just to say this. This is what changed my life. He changed me. He transformed me. Has he done it for you? Because he longs to. It sounds crazy. But this is life. He is life. He is love. 
So I want to end with some scriptures on love. I'm just going to read them. I want you to hear what the word of life, the giver of life, says about love. And as you go from this place today, ask yourselves, do you truly love him? Have you truly received his love that can transform your life? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 15.13 Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply. That's how the church ought to be living. Are you loving others in this room? Are you serving others? Are you giving? Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love. All that you do. John 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you belong to me. Wow. 1 John 4, 18-19. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We don't have to be afraid of punishment, you all. If you're satisfied in Christ, you don't have to be afraid of an eternal hell. No, when, you, when you're satisfied in Christ, when you know that you are secure, when you are sealed for the day of redemption, because you're satisfied. Oh, but play church. Have your, have your foot in church and your foot in the world. Keep sinning. Keep doing whatever you want. You don't have that rest. You don't have that peace to know that you're secure. You can try to tell yourself. But let something happen when you get close to death. And then see what happens in your heart. <gasps> see what happens. See, when life is going, sin is fun. Oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. But let something happen. And death is close by. You start searching your heart. Oh. Like you're here today, you're gone tomorrow, you all. But you can live a life satisfied in Christ. I don't have to be in fear of death. I don't have to be afraid of punishment. No, he took my punishment for me. He saved me. He redeemed me. I'm a new man in Christ. I have the assurance that I belong to Jesus. Let this breath leave this body and I will be in his presence. Do you have that, you all? Do you have that security? 
or are you bound by deception and fear? Don't let it be said of you. But you're bound by fear. See, perfect love drives that out. Perfect love drives out the fear of punishment. Because you see him for truly who he is. God is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus' words. If you love me, you will obey me. Colossians 3, 14. Above all, be loving. This ties everything together perfectly. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us, come, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then Proverbs 10, 12, hate stirs up trouble, but love forgives all offenses. Do you have unforgiveness in your heart this morning? You ought not to be if you're a Christian. Whatever excuse you want to have, doesn't make it right. Forgive. See, the essence of love forgives. No matter how you do me wrong. When I think of the many people who show up here and, and they want and they want and they want and as soon as life hits them hard, they walk out the door and then all they got to say is bad stuff about me. Bad stuff about the church. But if I let that bother me, well, I'll stop loving. I'll become cold and angry and bitter. But no, God forgive them. Because they end up showing right back up at the door. Because you know what we offer here? Is love. No matter how many times we offend each other, love. Love. It's what we offer each other. I want to be an expression of love. I want you to be an expression of love. I want us to live differently. There's a dying world going on out there. It's getting darker. And we're to be the people of God. We're to have love. We're to be an expression of his love to others. And if we can't do it here, something's wrong. It has to start here. It has to start with you. It has to start with me. Who has offended you? Forgive them. Forgive them. Well, you don't know. I don't need to know. Forgive them. You're going to remain their victim the rest of your life? You're going to allow them to rob you from being satisfied because you want to harbor anger and hate towards them? No. If you're saying you're a Christian, then live like a Christian. I had to forgive my abusers. I had to forgive people who have taken advantage of me. I had to forgive the people who have done wrong. Trust me, I wanted to hold on to it. But when you meet Jesus, how can you? Because you realize how great you've been forgiven. And God, if you could forgive me, 
And help me, God, to forgive others. Romans 12, 9 through 10. Love must be sincere, must be real. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, or honor another above yourselves. Think of others better than you. That's how you live. That's how a Christian lives. First Chronicles 16, 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. Bear with it in love. Second Chronicles 5.14, for Christ's love compels us. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all have died. Luke 6.35, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Nehemiah 9, 17, But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Psalm 107, verse 8 through 9, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies, look at this, the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Galatians 5, verse 13 through 14. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Romans 13, verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Psalm 36, verse 5 through 6, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. Ephesians 5, verse 2, Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 1 John 2, 9-10, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. 1 John 3, 1, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we could be called the children of God. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and see his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 4, 9-11 This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Song of Songs 2, 4 His banner over me is love. Romans 13, 9 through 10. The commandments are summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you love others, you will never do them wrong. To love then is to obey the whole law. Song of Songs 8, verse 6 through 7. Place, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. In Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Psalm 89, verse 2, I would declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in the heaven itself. Psalm 119, verse 64. The earth is filled with your love, O God. 1 Peter 1, 22, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in Romans 8, 37-39, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death or life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be ever to separate us, will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. 1 Peter 2, 17. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the King. Joshua 22, verse 5. Be very careful. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Isaiah 54 verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Proverbs 3 verse 3 through 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. 
1 Thessalonians 3.12 May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. In the 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 7. <coughs> Listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love delights not, I'm sorry, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Did you hear that? Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, Lord. Scriptures on love, you all. Do we hear 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7? Maybe a lot of us have heard that scripture over and over and over. But has it taken root into your heart to produce fruit in your life? Love is patient. And love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. This is love, you all. Remember what I said earlier? How quick we're, to, we're so quick to tell people, I love you, I love you. Do you really know what love is? Are you patient? Are you kind? You shouldn't be envying. You shouldn't be boasting. You shouldn't be proud. And you shouldn't be rude. And you shouldn't be self-seeking. And you shouldn't be easily angered. If you love me, and if I love you, I shouldn't keep records of wrong. You know what you did to me? Remember that? What's that? That's not love. But remember, we can't love this way unless we receive love. We can try to do it in our flesh, but it's going to end up coming right back to this. You shouldn't be loving what is evil. You should be rejoicing in truth. Love always protects. Think about that. Think about families today. Think about this generation. Think about the youth that are growing up with no protection over them. Because their parents are self-seeking and rude. Oh, but we're family. That's love. Family does not qualify as love. Just because you have the same blood as someone doesn't mean you love them. love you all. We can only truly love when we truly receive love because once we truly receive it, we are satisfied. Then we freely love. Then we freely love. Because that's how he loved. That's how he lives. That's what he comes to offer us. It protects it always trusts. 
Can you imagine a life that way? See, so many times we hear scripture, we say, oh, that's them. That's not my life. It should be your life. Just because you may be grown up in a home that didn't protect you, you grew up with parents that didn't, you know, there, there was never trust because they were constantly bickering and fighting and cheating on each other. You can learn to have trust. You can learn to protect others. Because that's what he offers us. We don't have to be the same. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Because love never fails. Love you all. Love. God's love. An expression of who he is. He reveals himself to us so that we will be satisfied. Not in the temporalness of this life, you all. Yes, he will bless us. And yes, you know, you will have things. And, you know, life will be good. But don't put your hope in the temporalness of this life. Because at any moment it can be shaken. Any moment things can be ripped up from you. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's just that we live in a fallen world. And that's why he came to this world. To redeem us. So we don't get angry with God. We trust him. It's okay, God. Like Job, he lost everything. He lost everything. But God restored him. Life is going to throw you issues. Remember Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. See, no matter how much we want to try to cling to the temporalness of this life, this is fading away, you all. This is fading away. So be careful not to be like the world, clinging so hardly to this. No, be Christians, clinging to Christ. And say, God, here I am, Lord, send me. I want to love. Because first left me. So I hope you're encouraged. I don't know what your Valentine's Day is going to be for those who are in relationships with those who are single. But I do know this. For Christians, it's Valentine's Day every day. Either you're in a relationship or you're single because of love. Because you receive such great love. And now you want to live to be an expression of it. So I pray you do that. I pray that you... You, you really genuinely hear what the Spirit of God is saying and that your heart would be good soil and that a life of fruit would come from your life and that your life like the Samaritan woman will begin to impact others around because you know how many people out there are broken? Do you know how many people out there that just want to be loved? And now God is going to send you to go love them. But you can't go if you first haven't received. So as the songs are playing over you in closing, I want you just to take time just to be still. Allow these words to be sung over you, but as the worship is going, be real with God. Where are you with Him today? Be real with Him. Are you satisfied? If not, then get on your knees and say, God, I long to be satisfied. I don't know what to do, but I'll trust you. If you are satisfied, then let him know. God, thank you. 
that it's only because of you that I'm satisfied. Help me not to lose sight of that. I don't want to lose sight of you, God. I want to remain satisfied. And I'm going to close this in prayer.
Leave it all behind. Leave it all.